Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. I'm your host, Mike Epstein, and today's episode features an innovative company in the music industry called Open Studio. Open Studio was founded by the great pianist Peter Martin. The company has created a unique way of teaching music lessons online. They feature some of the industry's greatest performers by creating an immersive learning experience using innovative software called Living Notation. I took a few lessons prior to interviewing Peter so I could better understand the experience, and I was very impressed by the variety of lessons offered as well as the incredible high quality of video and audio. We talk more about what Living Notation is during our interview, but that feature alone makes the lessons worthwhile. A bit more on Peter Martin. He is an acclaimed jazz pianist and entrepreneur. Over the past 25 years, he has performed at most of the major venues and jazz festivals on six continents, including twice at the White House for President Obama. Peter was recently featured in the New York Times for his groundbreaking work. Open Studio is offering our listeners $10 off any course of their choosing. Simply enter the coupon code WELCOME10. WELCOME is in all caps, followed by the number 10 with no space, WELCOME10. Head to OpenStudioJazz.com today and sign up. Now, here is my interview with Peter Martin. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Peter, so thanks so much. Welcome to Speaking of the Arts, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I, uh, just by way of a little background, so I first heard of Open Studio not that long ago. I would say four, five, six months ago, Fred Hirsch mentioned it to me, and Then I just finished an interview with Ulysses Owens Jr. And it came up again. And I thought I've got to connect with Peter and learn more about this. And so since then, I've had the chance to do a couple of, I've I've, uh, browsed a few of the course offerings and, um, uh, you know, tried to get my head around what what all this is and everything and thought, what a a great uh, person to have on our podcast, because we really do try to cater this to artists, to presenters, you know, really to the uh, arts industry. And I think everybody needs to know about Open Studio. So again, welcome. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about what uh, what the company is and what you guys are up to. Great, thanks. Well, it's good to be here. Always happy to talk about Open Studio, especially our artists, our community and the whole thing. Yeah, man. So why don't we just dive right in? So. Um, Tell me kind of a little bit about the background of Open Studio, how it started, and how has it evolved to where it is today? Yeah, so um, the the sort of the genesis, the seed of Open Studio was actually uh, some online lessons that I started about 10 years ago, uh, which was a very unceremoniously named Peter Martin, what was it called? Peter Martin's Video Lessons or Peter Martin's Online Video Lessons something real jankety like that. Uh, But it really just came out of the idea, you know, I was touring a lot uh, at that time. Actually, I've kind of been touring for the last 30 years or so, uh, most of my professional career, so to speak. Uh, But I was always meeting um, students or young players or, or any age players, actually, folks that either wanted to take a lesson or ask questions. And I, you know, I come from a musical family, both my parents are musicians and my mother's a, a music educator, long time, as well as my father, symphony musician, and and so I've always uh, been around great teachers and 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 great music. So uh, I also came up in here in St. Louis, uh, you know, kind of under the wings of some great older musicians, jazz musicians, and classical musicians that taught me a lot. So it's just kind of always been part of my ethos of, of, in terms of just paying it forwards and helping out 
the next generation. It's always been sort of a natural thing. Um, so a lot of the folks that I would meet uh, on the road, they would ask me questions and, and things like that, or, or ask for lessons. I would do them when I had time, but I was always trying to figure out a way to maybe connect better with folks, uh, you know, when, when it wasn't as time dependent. And so I started teaching at Northwestern University in Chicago uh, as part of the jazz program. And I had a small group of students and uh, they would often ask uh, sort of uh, like, I, I'd go up there for the day uh, to Chicago and teach all day. And then I come home and I'd have emails from them and they were always kind of the same questions, um, you know, to, to re-explain something that we had talked about or to, to dive in further. And so, um, really more out of just laziness on my part, I started making some videos for them because they were always sort of asking similar types of questions. How do you finger these scales? How do you practice this passage or whatever? So instead of sort of writing or telling them the answer, I would just show them uh, with a video. And I had like, this was pre-iPhone, so I had a, a, a flip cam. I don't know if folks remember those, but it was like I would set up on the edge of the piano and just demonstrate whatever it was and then send them a link to the video. Um, so that was kind of my first video lessons. And um, then Dan Martin, who ended up becoming my co-founder years later with Open Studio, had the idea. He's like, there's this new thing called YouTube. You know, we should put some of the videos up, up, up there. And I was like, well, whatever. I don't, I don't know what that is. That sounds like it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and so we put some videos there. And we also started a, a podcast. I was actually kind of early on really into podcasts. And Apple was sort of pushing video podcasts at first. So we put up some of those early lessons um, uh, that I was sending to the Northwestern students as a podcast called Two Minute Jazz. They were always really short. So uh, that kind of took off really quick because there was hardly anybody that was making, it, it wasn't that they were very good quality because they actually weren't, <laughs> but Apple just didn't have a lot of content. And so I got featured for one week as like the, the music education, what was it, music instruction, like video podcast of the week. And all of a sudden we just had like all these people downloading these little videos that were extremely jankety. Um, and I mean, they were like just unscripted. I would just make them or whatever. So people did, what was cool though, is I started getting feedback from folks like, oh, when's this week's two minute jazz gonna come up? And I was like, well, I never really committed to doing it. It was just something kind of a, a fun little sideline experiment, but it definitely got me thinking then again, like, wow, maybe I could reach folks that are interested in different things. Um, in a bigger way, you know, via the internet. I, I didn't really know how to do it, but the video podcast thing really is the first thing that got me, you know, focusing a little more. And that did eventually lead about a year later to us putting together a very basic online video lesson site. Cause I'd seen some other artists kind of doing this. And even, I remember there was a guy who had like a woodworking site where it was like, you could join and you get access to like videos and plans for woodworking. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. You could do that for jazz piano. So that was the original Peter Martin lessons. And that really, as soon as we launched that, it just took off super way faster than we thought. There was like a lot more interest in it, in it um, than I was anticipating. I think we had like 30 people signed up the first weekend, which was like 29 more than I was expecting. And so <laughs> I knew my mom probably would sign up, although she actually never did sign up as it turned out. But, um, but it, you know, I just sort of chased down that idea after a bunch of people signed up. I was like, wow, okay, maybe we have something. And, you know, got feedback. What did you think? I think I had like five full length lessons up the, for when we first launched it. And I would just ask folks, you know, what do you want me to do a lesson on next? Um, you know, what features would you want? They were asking for like overhead so they could see my hand. Well, no, they didn't even ask for overhead camera. They just asked to see my hands better. So we ended up 
a couple months later, like developing a camera overhead, like everything was just sort of based around what I'd later find out was like actually pretty sound business and entrepreneurial uh, practices, which is, you know, get an MVP, a minimum vile product out there in the market, get some feedback, build on that content marketing, all this stuff that I kind of learned about later, we just sort of stumbled upon from the beginning. So I was just doing that as a sideline thing for several years, but the community really grew around just this Peter Martin lessons. Uh, and so then I was constantly thinking like, wow, how do we, how can we scale this out and make this bigger than me? And so the obvious thing was, you know, for me, I was talking with different artists that I toured with and that I knew Romero Lubombo, Gregory Hutchinson, who were kind of my first uh, big artists that I brought in. And then it just became sort of, uh, you know, almost kind of obvious next step is like, well, let's create something that would encompass and take what I'd learned from the, from just the Peter Martin lessons and do it for other instruments and maybe other genres and stuff. But then we sort of rallied around jazz because that was the thing that I really knew and most of the artists knew and also that I understood the community and kind of what, what bound it together beyond just, you know, we're pianists or we're saxophonists, but jazz has such a community feel to it. It's, 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 it's so much rooted in the music anyway. Um, so then a couple of years later, that became Open Studio. We came up with the name. Uh, I already had a couple of artists sort of signed, which was really, there was nothing signed. It was just, we went out and had a drink and I was like, can you do these lessons and we'll do a revenue share. We just, we really made it up as we went. And then as things started to grow and things started to fall into place, it became, you know, I, actually Fred Hurst, that's kind of the, the, the end result of what I'd sort of hoped and dreamed all along in that we're bringing in great artists that folks want that are not necessarily just friends of mine. I've known Fred for many years, but I've never really gotten a chance to hang out with him much. So that became like, well, what course would I want to see? And I know the community wants to see Fred Hirsch. So I'm super proud of that and just everything that we've done to lead up to this point. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me immediately when I was um, browsing through some of the courses and trying to interact with them and experience them was the living notation component. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I would imagine that's something that really does separate Open Studio from the masterclass.coms of the world, right? Yes. I mean, I think that, you know, what we did with the living notation, first of all, this is, uh, you know, we partnered with a company uh, called SoundSlice very early on. And actually, a Adrian Hovarti, who's the, the founder and, and the genius behind the system that powers living notation um, contacted me very early on. I mean, we had like just launched open studio um, and wanted to do a demo of his product. And when I saw it and ended up meeting, I went up to Chicago and met Adrian. Adrian's a musician and a programmer. Uh, he's a super skilled um, musician, but he's also, you know, just a genius programmer. He's actually the, the creator, the original founder of the framework called Django because he named it after he he plays guitar and loves like gypsy jazz and stuff. Right. So he actually named this programming language and framework after Django Reinhardt. Uh, but he's kind of just, he came up with this, this piece of, of software, this platform, this piece of technology that really serves musicians in such an organic and creative way. And so when I saw it, I was just like, wow, this is, I mean, all I could think of was like, if I had this when I was learning to play jazz, it would be so incredible. But I was a little bit torn also because I was like, wow, if I had this, it, like, I was like, are we making this too easy for folks now? Because going through that process of like transcribing things on your own and, and learning, you know, it's almost the, 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 it's like 
if you're going to write a speech and do it in, in uh, you know, on a piece of paper or write a story as opposed to just speaking it into Siri or some kind of voice recognition, that's almost like the same type of thing with the living notation and with sound slice and what it can do. Uh, but the more I delved into it and, and talked with Adrian and really explored the software, the more I realized that we could kind of use this uh, with, you know, with our artists, with our courses to serve the overall concepts of what we're trying to get across and to help the students and really streamline some things. So, you know, we, we call it living notation, but it's really based upon this foundation of sound slice, but then sort of our interpretation of when do you bring in the transcription and when do you leave it to just being able to hear it. And so, you know, to your question about, you know, with Masterclass and some of the other sites that are more, I would say they're more sort of aspirational and entertainment based as opposed to like very functional. What we're trying to do is straddle that line between, you know, being able to pre present, say, Fred Hirsch and his beautiful artistry with beautiful video and audio where you can just sit back and sort of, you know, bask in the, in the, in the warmth and beauty of his playing. But then if you're a pianist also and you want to dive down into the nitty gritty and see like, wait, what was that voicing that he did? What, what were the notes? I want to I practice that passage and highlight that in the living notation and then watch him play it and see the overhead camera and immerse yourself with all that. that we actually provide the tools for that as well. Whereas, you know, with Masterclass, if you're, you know, a fantastic tennis player and you're watching the Serena Williams course, you know, yeah, you're probably going to learn something, but she's talking about a lot of things that you probably have already learned, but she can just do better. So it's fun to watch her do it and to try to kind of imitate, but they're not necessarily, um, you know, giving you the actual nitty gritty tools. And this is not at all to cast aspersions on masterclass.com. I mean, what they've done is amazing and they really are leaders in our space in a lot of ways. But what we're doing with Open Studio is a little bit different. It's more for like, we, we really take, say pianists from a specific place of where they are and can take them if they're willing to put in the work and use the tools correctly to a specific you know development as they go and it and and so they can be inspired and they can see the beauty and hear the beauty and everything but they can also say wow i've learned these specific tunes i've learned how to how to play this counterpoint like fred hirsch i've learned how to walk a bass line like christian mcbride we're not saying that you're going to become christian mcbride that's not possible but you're going to get that inspiration and you're going to get a little peek behind the curtain, but you're also going to get some specific things that you can see and practice that I think up till now in a lot of ways sort of are out of, you know, they're really out of touch unless you were able to get an hour lesson with Christian McBride, which he doesn't do lessons, you know, because he's touring and he's recording and these kind of things. So that's really everything that we do at open studio is based upon this concept of like how much of Christian McBride of Fred Hirsch of Diane Reeves of Adam Manis can we give you of their unique thought processes and, and knowledge base um, without you actually sitting there with a lesson, which of course would be the greatest, but how close can we get to that experience? And the living notation has been a, a real game changer in, in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, this all makes total sense to me because I'm a, I'm a, uh, I mean, my career is I'm a booking agent, but I'm a, a jazz drummer too. So, you know, I get the uniqueness of uh, having these really well-known jazz players. What is their unique personality that they can distill upon um, students via a lesson? And that's certainly part of what the whole lineage of jazz is all about and everything. Um, and it's funny because I was thinking about, you know, when I was doing some uh, research for, for our interview, I was going to ask you, although you kind of just alluded to it, 
have you guys considered other styles of music? And as I'm hearing you describe the process and living notation, I'm wondering, would it, would, would, would it even be conducive to other styles of music, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the living notation can definitely be used and, and other folks yeah. have done, you know, in terms of taking the sound slice underpinnings, um, True Fire, which is really a guitar-based site, I know uses um, some of their technology and platform. Um, there's like some church music kind of gospel sites that have used it. So, I mean, it can definitely be, be used. And it just, I, I think as long as you're thoughtful about really the concept of how notation works into that particular style of music and you pull it in at the right time and in the right way, because it's, you know, jazz music is primarily you know, the thing that really sets it apart and typifies it. And one of the great things and one of the challenges of learning to play it is just the huge amount of improvisation that, that occurs. So it's not like learning, um, you know, a Bach prelude and fugue where the notes are there, but we're trying to get the style, we're trying to get the technique, we're trying to bring out, you know, a unique performance of these specific notes in jazz, like the framework, if you will, is so potentially esoteric that the notation can you know, being able to see that and have access to it can really assist in your, you know, in the student's development of improvisation. But if it's not done correctly in, a, in the right time or if it's too much notation, it can get in the way because ultimately we're trying to help folks create something and tell their story through their instrument. And that's a very, you know, it's a very simple thing, but it's a very difficult thing. And so notation can help, but it doesn't answer everything. So what we found is like deciding when we're going to use it, when we're going to present it and how we're going to present it. Um, and then just also really constantly reminding the students and, and presenting the material in a way that you can just hear and that you can just see the video without having to worry about the notation, because that's when you're really going to learn to play. So we use it more as just like a tool, not as a, a full time, like you sign up for a course and you're watching a bunch of notes on notation. No, you're mostly watching Fred Hirsch play. You're hearing him talk. You're hearing the sounds of his piano because that's what's going to change the game for you ultimately. But then we're bringing yeah. in no, no, notation as you dig deeper. What is sort of the optimal way to experience an open studio lesson as a student? What do I need? Um, you know, equipment wise, like what, what, what is really the optimal way to do that? Well, I mean, you, I, probably the best thing is to have, you know, a really high quality screen and some really high quality audio with a computer set up or an iPad um, right at your instrument. Um, but that's not always possible for a lot of folks. So we, we try not to get, we, we try to have things presented in a way that we can kind of meet folks no matter what technology they have. So if you have just an iPad or, or a tablet or just a phone and some headphones or even some earbuds, you can really get a lot out of the, the course. In fact, if you're not, in order to not get tripped up on all the, the potential technology, and I'm sitting here in one of our studios now, you know, about to get tripped up in a bunch of technology just to set up for this, there's always that. You know, if you have some good headphones and, you know, a tablet, you can experience our courses in a fantastic way. You know, it's a lot simpler than having speakers and stuff. And, you know, almost everything, you know, a laptop is really good because you can kind of control things in, in more specific ways with some good headphones because you're going to get so much better sound than even the best laptop speakers, you know. Um, but little things like if you have a laptop, a lot of times 
you might have other programs open or notifications on. So that can kind of get in the way of just your practice routine. So we talk about these things because that can be, it can almost be like too much technology can, can be bad. So we're always looking at ways to sort of balance these things. But what we do see with our students in general, the ones that are very, you know, self-starting and disciplined and get a lot out of our courses, usually I'll have like a tablet and some headphones and like nothing really running at the same time, notifications off. That can be a great way, you know, to learn because it's not like going to a class with others where you've got that accountability and you've got each other to kind of, you know, look after or an appointment with somebody as a teacher at a specific time. Um, like you really have to follow through and be disciplined yourself to get something out of any kind of online education. And it's something that I've experimented with and researched a lot on my own in other subjects besides music and in music because I really want to find a way to help our students do open studio as much as I can. But the difficult thing is we can't control, we can control the product that we put out there, the courses and you know how we present them. But we can't control if someone's gonna actually follow through and do it because sometimes people come and they're like, wow, I'm gonna buy the course and I'm gonna sit back in my living room, put it on my television and just watch it as I sit on the sofa and I'm gonna get better. And that's not really the way it works. It's like, we're giving you, you know, just watching Fred Hirsch play piano is gonna make you a better person but it's not necessarily going to make you a better pianist, you know, unless you go through the process of the things that he's saying to do and they take work, you know, um, I think they're great. I think that they're fun, you know, and I think that people that embrace that work, but some folks need that accountability. So we've, we're developing new programs now. And it's funny you say, what's the optimal way to experience and get something out of open studio. I would say beyond even just the technology, the program that we have now called open studio pro, which is brand new. I think is this is the thing that's really going to set our stuff apart from a lot of other folks because we're combining the in-person live uh, accountability and meeting point and community with the recorded resources. So we're having extreme success with our students, but it's a commitment. So this is basically Adam Manis, who's our creative director and an excellent jazz pianist and, and my, uh, I, one of my partners here, he five days a week, gets together for guided practice sessions live over uh, Zoom with a group of, you know, often anywhere from 50 to 100 folks and practices with them. And so uh, you, if you're part of Open Studio Pro, you have access to all of our piano courses. Um, and he also curates like what to work on, but he goes through themes by, by the month and demonstrates stuff and goes through and practices on those themes every day. You can also watch them if you can't make it live. I believe it's at one o'clock Eastern every day. And we have some funny things with time zones. It works really good for Europe, for Asia. It's not so great, but you can watch it recorded and go through it too. You don't have to be there live, but we are finding that having that live option, folks practicing together um, is so important. And the progress folks are making is, has really been amazing there. So I think that's kind of the future of where we're going. And the, the hard thing about that is like, you gotta be there and we have to have people to teach it. But I mean, it just works so good. I'm, I'm super excited about that. Well, I wonder if it's a fair comparison to say that this is kind of turning into the Peloton of jazz education, virtual jazz yeah. education, you know? And I, I mean that as a compliment because I, I have a Peloton. No, totally. We actually internally here at Open Studio that was sort of the code name for Open Studio Pro before we named it Open Studio Pro. It was Peloton yeah. for Pianists. I we see always, that. Yeah, we were always like, you know, do we need to check with an attorney? Well, I was like, you know, we're going to say it internally. And then if other folks start saying it. Um, but yeah, it's like, and I, I know with Peloton, um, I've never actually done it, but I, that was one of the 
sort of systems I researched just by talking to folks that were using it. And like my daughter does soul cycle and like these di different things in athletics, we, we really drew on some of that stuff for open studio pro because it's sort of like, well, if you've got the bike and you can access recorded lessons at any time or sessions, yeah. wouldn't that be better? But folks, actually, you want to be there. You're not really live, but it feels like you are. And knowing that you have to be there at that time means something and makes it more fun and makes the workout easier. So we, we've def definitely incorporated a lot of those same concepts. Yeah. Is there um, a way, or maybe this does exist, but so let's say I take, I take like Ulysses uh, course, his courses. Okay. Is there a way for me as a student to then have communication with him directly? Um, right. Because that's a big part of the, the teacher student relationship is like, you know, I'm working on this thing you showed me, but I just, I'm a little confused about like, how would you, what would the sticking be or how would you phrase this? So is there a way for me to communicate with the instructor as a, as a student? Yes. So we, we don't, we have that set up through, you know, the beginnings of that through open studio P pro for pianists now, okay. um, wherein it's, you're not necessarily gonna, um, always get an answer. So say like, if you take Fred Hirsch's course, um, and then like, I mean, you're not necessarily going to get an answer from Fred Hirsch, but you're going to get one from Adam Manis, or it might be from me or from one of the other pianists through Open Studio, which sounds like, wow, I want to get it from Fred Hirsch. But that's not always actually the best because some things, you know, having done a lot of courses myself and then having other people answer for me, it sometimes is better because we get kind of lost in our own concepts sometimes. Mm. Um, so, but that's like an important thing. One thing though is like a while back we had set up a more formal system of like you could sub you could submit a video or submit a question to the specific artist for each course and it was a big commitment I had because I didn't want to overpromise people you know you get the Ulysses Owens course and then what if he's out on tour and someone asks the question well how come he hasn't answered my thing and logistically it can become yeah. difficult what we actually found was that folks wanted to and we did it actually where we did a pilot system where you could submit a video and then kind of get feedback on that. And what we saw was actually folks were super shy about doing that. And yeah. then they also kind of got caught up in like, well, I'm making the video. Does it sound right? Is the angle right? And there was so many different barriers for it that we tried some other things. And what we found has worked the best is this masterclass format. And so uh, like Fred Hirsch has done, I think three, three of those for us now. And the last one was, you know, exclusive for everybody that's in our community, like Open Studio Pro, but also anybody who's bought his course. And you could come to a live masterclass with Fred Hirsch on Zoom. And then you could also submit to be one of the three pianists to play for him and get feedback. Um, and what I was su surprised was we had folks interested in playing, but not as many as I thought. Most people just wanted to come and watch and lurk, which is great because if anybody's ever been to a live classical masterclass, and I know I did a lot of these growing up, in the classical world and when i was at juilliard you know they'd have great pianists come in and you sometimes you would play but usually not because there wasn't time for everybody to play but you can learn so much from seeing somebody else being critiqued and most folks are just so shy especially our students because we have a lot of really good players we have players at all different levels especially in the piano world but many of them consider themselves amateurs like they're doing something else all week they love to play um, but they, you know, they're practicing and a lot of them are certainly good enough to be at the pro level, but they're not doing gigs all the time. So they don't have that confidence always. So to get them to get up and play 
even over Zoom or live or to send in a video is kind of hard. But we've done started doing these master classes and folks get so much out of that. So that's something that we're really incorporating a lot. The Open Studio Pro, where you can get with Adam or other artists, Peloton type teachers, that kind of a thing. Um, but I, I really think the master class with our artists is the way to go. And then that kind of, especially as everybody's sort of getting back to touring now, you know, or or not, or we're trying to as a booking agent, I'm sure you understand this, but, yep. you know, to be able to, to have, you know, Christian McBride to be able to do a, you know, he can come at this one time, but getting them to be able to commit with their complicated schedules to more back and forth, uh, we're finding this way works really good. Do you work with the instructors to curate their topics or how does, what's that process like? Yes, we, yeah, I do. And that's kind of one of my big jobs uh, along with Adam uh, Manis, my uh, creative director. Um, we generally, like what I tell all, all the artists when they come in, and, and this is often part of my sales pitches, I'm trying to bring in new artists, is that I'm never going to have them teach any subjects or even any lessons or even down to a concept that they are not passionate about uh, because, you know, I've been doing this long enough to know that it's just a drag, even if you're teaching something that you know really well, but you don't really care. I mean, not that you don't care about it, but, but you don't have something, you know, burning inside of you to get it out into the world. We can just skip that. You know, I'm not, I'm, why, why am I going to have Christian McBride, for example, in their teaching how to finger a major scale? I mean, yeah, he can finger it great, probably better than anybody else. But if he's not interested in doing that, then we're not going to have him do that. And so that's the kind of part of my pitch to all the artists when we first even start talking and it takes a lot of pressure off them because they're like, Oh, good. Because first of all, a lot of these artists, like they feel like they don't know the basics that well, of course they do, but they're so far from the basics that they aren't, unless they've been teaching a lot of beginner students, which generally they haven't, um, that beginner level is kind of difficult and uninteresting for them to teach. Uh, there are some exceptions with that. Uh, but I know for myself, that's I, br I bring all the experience that I came into doing this. And I actually did a course called Jazz Piano for Beginners that I ended up enjoying a lot. But it was like it took me a long time to get to the sort of stamina level where I could do that. And I didn't want to do it and it wasn't fun planning it. Once I got into it, it was fun and I kind of felt a responsibility because just it was needed, you know, but any of my artists that I bring out, I'm like, we're going to focus on what my job is, is to help you find the areas that you're passionate about and all the other stuff we're not going to worry about. I'll find somebody else to teach the other things because there's there's plenty of folks and there's plenty of things that we do want to do. I mean, we can fit course after course. So that takes some pressure off. It makes it fun for them, makes it fun for us. And ultimately, it makes it most beneficial for our students because we have, you know, our students and our members really want to see these artists doing what they do. You know, there's actually not that much interest in for the example of Christian McBride doing scale fingers. I mean, of course they would like that, but that's accessible in a lot of places. So we want to fill in those things of like, what are those unique things that Christian McBride does that everyone has always been like, wow, how do you do that? You know? And so that's really what we focus on. That makes sense to me. So, uh, well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you are looking for more instructors, <laughs> you know, I, some of the artists I'm working with, I think obviously would be a great fit. So maybe off the record, we could talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, um, lot of, a lot of the artists that have come into the fold have been, and they, that we're talking to now are folks that um, either I reached out to, although we're probably getting more inbound at this point, 
um, which always works great because if somebody comes and is like, look, I'm really interested in doing something, I know that, you know, they want to do it, that they've been putting some thought into it. Because I've spent a lot of time convincing great artists, like you could do this. Oh, I don't, I'm not a good teacher. I've never done that kind of thing. I was like, no, but nobody's done this kind of thing. It's, this is a new thing. I'm like, you got to trust me. You know, so it's, it, it, it's a lot of energy for me to kind of sell them on it. So I love it when folks are coming in and saying like, Hey, I'd really love to do something like this. Cause then I can tell them, I'm like, all right, well, this is kind of what now sometimes I explain what's involved with it. And then they kind of lose interest, you know, but you know, I, I, my pledge is always to them is like, I can make this as fun and as easy as possible. And, and it's probably going to be a lot more fun and you're probably going to be a lot better at it than you're thinking you're going to be at it. And I, and, and we've kind of streamlined things down to where it's not like months of work and preparation. And, you know, it, that's just not the way we do things. We, we're very prepared. And I think we organize and, and, and present and produce the content in a very thoughtful way. But a lot of that's on our side. And a lot of that's done after we have the content kind of going through and curating and organizing it. And then, you know, just using the experience we've had from doing, you know, literally thousands of, of uh, individual lessons at this point. And do they come to your studio or how does that work to do the, to record the actual courses? Yes, they uh, usually we've done some we do some things um, at a couple locations that we've used in New York. Um, Fred Hirsch's course was was done there at Octavian Studios, which works really well. And we have a video crew we use there, but most things are done here and we're actually in the process of building a new studio that's going to be ready in November. That's just around the corner from where we are now, but it's kind of incorporating all the workflows that we've learned and all the things that we've wanted to do here and um, just be able to kind of do them easier and better uh, over there. And it's, it's, we're really excited about it. We have several isolation rooms. We have a, a dedicated pod casting uh, suite, uh, a listening sesh area, actually a live performance and live streaming and recording space. And, wow. and for so people listening, that's in, that's in St. Louis, right? St. Louis. Right. Right. And so we, we, I mean, we've already brought almost all of our artists here at some point to do some recording, if not all of it. Uh, but this is going to make it even more attractive, I think, to be able to do everything in house. Um, and in a way, I mean, since COVID, like we've done a lot of production here, but because so much of the time we couldn't have, you know, any, any like we've done a lot of solo production, uh, Adam and my, you, you know, I mean, there was times when we were like, all right, I'm about to leave the building and text, you know, because we were just so afraid about, you know, th things being spread or whatever, but we wanted to keep the production going. So right. we've learned a lot in a short amount of time and we're putting all those kind of hopes and dreams and aspirations and skills uh, and workflows into the new space. Well, that's great. Well, all right. So you mentioned Open Studio Pro. You've got a new studio that you're about to move into. I mean, I was going to kind of, uh, as a way of sort of wrapping up our conversation, just ask, where do you hope the company kind of ends up in the next three to five years? And it sounds like you mentioned a few of those things. What else are you guys working on that you hope to see happen? Well, you know, one thing that I, I, I'm, I've been sort of seeing happen with the growth and the trajectory of Open Studio in general in, in sort of an organic way at first, and, and now we're sort of guiding in that way, is for us to really be more of a jazz community meeting place and meet jazz media company, a little bit more all-inclusive and less lines and barriers between performance and education and recordings and live streaming and in-person and online, trying to encompass all these things and, and not to get ahead of ourselves and think that we can kind of define where the jazz entertainment and presentation 
um, game is going, but to be ready to take advantage of people kind of looking at all this stuff in a new way and, and to really stick to the foundation and the connection point of jazz music of being kind of what we do. We've had thoughts and even talks and some plans about going into like classical and some other areas that we have some knowledge and expertise and connections in. But I mean, I love jazz. I love class. I, I love bluegrass. I love a lot of things, but it's like jazz is what I know. And that's what open studio knows. So for now, we're, that's what we're going to do. But what, what I see as a great opportunity is that, you know, jazz fans uh, around the world are so passionate about this music that we don't have to sell many people on you know the glories and 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 the and, and their love and connection with the music it's it's like if if somebody's looking at a wine list you, you they don't have to write on there wine is really good you're gonna love it it's gonna make you feel like they already like wine they're just looking for the particular like how's it gonna be presented in a bottle is it cheap is it you know whatever but the overall concept is like the 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 grape growers from thousands of years ago already sold people on that. So what we're doing is not necessarily going around and trying to find new people that are into jazz to get into jazz. Although I think what we're doing will do that as well. And there's always, you know, audience enhancement and, and growth and all that that we want to be part of, but it's more kind of connecting things in a way that we're like, okay, open studio. Yeah. We started from this education place, but look at all of our artists. These are all fantastic players too. We, we don't really have anybody who's just exclusively a teacher or exclusively a player. These are people that can kind of do the whole thing. So what we started to do, and, and like Fred Hirsch's course is probably the closest that we start to get to this, is to make something that is as much for a Fred Hirsch fan as it is for a Fred Hirsch student, you know, to make video performances. And that's why we kind of extended that. We've always had some performances as part of the courses because I just believe deeply that the best way to learn is just to watch watch a master do it, you know, and study it. And with video, uh, you know, you know, doing it in the online format has its disadvantages. If some, if a pianist is playing in a certain way, uh, you know, and you're not there live with them, you can't see how their hands are or whatever. That's very hard to correct that kind of thing. So as opposed to focusing on the, the things that are more difficult online, let's look at the things that are better. You watch a Fred Hirsch video of a performance versus you're, you're having a lesson with him, watching him play it. You can pause it. You can rewind it. You can look at the living notation. You can watch it over and over again. So the potential there is huge. But I also think, um, you know, presenting music and having it being able to be streamed anywhere, that's become such a, a interesting part of what we've done over this last year and a half that I want to extend on that. And a lot of that is not necessarily, it's for our community and our members and our students, but it has a lot of appeal beyond that as well to just people that love jazz music. So, you know, we started to learn about that, but that's a very, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, it's, it's not a different field in terms of it's still based upon jazz and music and artistry, but to be able to nail that and do that right is very different than what we've already learned to do with the video. So to answer your question, I sort of see us as hopefully moving to be an all-inclusive jazz media company that has something for anybody that wants to be a part of this wonderful music and, you know, the next phase and how that's presented, if that's through video live performances, live streaming, recordings of videos, YouTube, all these different things, but just really always nailing the music, having great artists, great music and presenting it in a beautiful way. Yeah, that's super exciting. Uh, well, I'm gonna go ahead and tell everybody, you gotta go to openstudiojazz.com so you can actually see what it is that Peter is talking about. Um, yes. You know, and for me as a, as a student and a fan of the music, I, I think this is really great. And I hope to see this just 
you know, keep taking off and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It sounds like you guys are headed in the right direction. It's super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say to folks, absolutely go to openstudiojazz.com, but also, you know, feel free if you want to sort of dip your toes in, you know, we put a lot of uh, energy and uh, resources and time into our YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash openstudiojazz, uh, or just search open studio on YouTube, you'll see that. But we've got a lot of, uh, like, we don't hold back on our free content on YouTube, like we put really good stuff on there. So if you just want to sort of start to become a part of the community or see sort of what we have to offer in a number of different ways. That's a really good, uh, really good place to do it. Yeah, and I can attest to that because I uh, have really enjoyed Ulysses um, from the drummer's perspective series through yes. YouTube on Open Studio. Very cool stuff. All right, yeah. Peter. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. And um, this is really a pleasure. Best of luck to you guys. And I can't wait to see what happens next there. It's super exciting. Thanks, Mike. I had such a good time. Great to chat with you. And um, let's do it again sometime. You bet. Take care. Okay.